Raise your hand if you gave birth to Josh Baldwin. Oh, there she is right there. <laughs> I tell people all the time, they're like, I just love Josh Baldwin. I was like, well, you should meet his mom. Well, how can I do that? Come to our church. <laughs> really? Yes, really. Mm. All right. Um, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn, turn to, we're going to be in all kinds of scriptures, but turn to Luke chapter 10. We'll be there most of the morning. Uh, this is week four. We're in a series called Toxins. Um, we didn't get to do it last week because it was awesome. Man, baptisms were fantastic, weren't they? Ooh. We should do that every week. Anyway, some of y'all are like, if we did that every week, Paul would never preach. Let's do it every week. We did. We might have, yeah, we pray for open heavens. We might have to do baptisms every week. And if we did, I would find a way to still preach. I promise you that. Um, but we're looking, at, we're looking at toxins, things that poison our body. I just want to re- quickly remind you that what we learned in the very first week, this is really important, that physically your body was created to detox itself. Right? So what we learned is that a healthy body does not need to detox because a healthy body is already, always pushing out the poison, right? Um, let's just be super clear. This is why we sweat. This is why we pee. This is why we poop. This is our body's way of getting rid of the toxins that we do not need. And the reason why people detox, please don't be mad at me when I say this. I'm with you in this. Is because we don't eat what we should. We don't sleep enough. We don't extra. There's all these things we don't do. That, are, that would be healthy for us to do, and then our body breaks down, and we're like, oh, I need to reset my body, so we, we find a diet, we whatever, right? So we're dealing with toxins in the body of Christ, toxins that we deal with spiritually, and I just, again, want to emphasize this, because we're so bad about looking for, like, the magic button, the magic pill. Hey, pastor, just give me two, three. How about just one point and, and show me how to do it, and then I'll be good. And if, our, if the body is healthy, we don't have to look for those things, right? We just learn how to stay healthy. It's a rhythm. But the body's not always healthy, and so we've been dealing with some IN toxins. That's why the IN on that screen, when you see the toxin thing pop up, that's why the IN is highlighted. I know some of you are like, this is week four. I didn't even recognize that. Paul's brilliant. You're like, I, did, I, I thought of all that except that last part about Paul. So um, let me see. I'm going to make a statement. I'm not going to put you on the spot. You don't have to raise your hand, but just, just kind of see if you agree with this statement. The world is a less caring place than it was 50 years ago. Not a trick question. Right? Some of you are like, I want to say yes, but I know Paul. <laughs> it's not a trick question. Most of us would agree that the world is a less caring place than it was 50 years ago. So uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, Jesus says this, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, your, your translation may say many, the love of many will, not might, will grow cold. 
Yeah, wax cold is what it says in the King James. It waxeth cold. And so I've always read that and thought, well, yeah, Jesus, no kidding. Like, that's why people don't pick up hitchhikers anymore. That's why, like, back in the day, however far back you have to go to get to the day for you, some of you are like, that's 70 years ago. Some of you, it was last week. But it's like we think, yeah, back in, I remember back in the day when we didn't lock our doors at night. And we just, like, left our door, our house unlocked if we went on vacation. We told all of our neighbors, we'll be gone for a week. If you need some milk, if you need anything, our door's open, go get it. Who's doing that today? Nobody, right? So it's easy to look at that verse and go, well, yeah, Jesus, you're right. There is lawlessness. Like, the purge, I thought it was just a movie, but clearly, it's our society, right? Like, we see this stuff, and we're like, man, it's really bad. I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to help somebody for fear that I might get hurt back. It's easy to read that verse and go, I so clearly see it. But then I took a deeper dive. The Lord kind of took me on a little bit of a journey, and I realized something that, and I'm, I'm okay with this, right? If I know that sometimes I tell you, like, I saw something. It was revolutionary. It really changed my life. And then I'll tell you what it was, and y'all are like, I mean, everybody knows that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm fully okay. If what I tell you rocked my world, you already knew. I'm just a slow learner, apparently. So I start doing this deep dive on Matthew 24, 12. And I found out that the Greek word for love is agape. I never knew that. It's the same word that that we use, it's God's love in us. That's what grows cold because of the lawlessness in the world. And suddenly I realized, like, this verse that I've always read as, like, this prophetic, like, word to the world is actually a prophetic warning to the church. Like, because of the way the culture is, the love of God, God in his church will grow cold. Like we, we will not feel what we used to feel. Romans 5.5, 5, this is important. Romans 5.5 5 says this, And hope does not put us to shame because God's agape has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, this is really important for us to be on the same page here because of where we're getting ready to go. This will help you not feel condemned, okay? Condemnation doesn't come from the, from the Lord, but we do feel it sometimes when the preacher's talking and we're like, oh, snap, he knows, he knows, he knows about my life. Somebody told him, right? The love of God, if you're a believer... And what does it mean to be a believer? If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, to apprentice at the feet of Jesus, to learn the ways of Jesus and put them into practice in your life, if you've chosen, like what you said I needed, God, I've, I'm all in on that. On the cross, on the forgiveness of sins, on what we just celebrated at communion, I'm all in on that. I'm choosing Jesus now and every day for the rest of my life. Sometimes imperfectly, but I'm in. If that's you then guess what happened when you said yes to Jesus? God, according to Romans 5.5, 5, he got this big old picture of agape love, and he poured it out. Where did he pour it out? Into your heart. 
into your heart. He poured it out. And I was like, okay, cool, God, I got it. But you keep pouring it, right? And this is where we're going to nerd out a little bit on the Greek. The same tense of the verb poured out is the same tense of when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. Not a trick question, but is Jesus still being crucified on the cross? No. I know that Hebrews does say that when we sin, but we don't have time to go into that. He's not going to the cross anymore. So when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he looked up and he said, it is finished. Guess what it means in the Greek? It's finished. Right? Some of you are like, Tetalus die. I've got their tattoo. Check it out. It means it is finished. <clears throat> Once for all. It's done. That's the same tense of the verb in Romans 5.5. 5, that God has poured agape love into us. So let me ask you this question. Again, not a trick question. I just need to make sure that we're on the same page. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, you know that you're going to be in heaven with him and you're also trying to be in heaven to earth. If that describes you, do you have the agape love of God in your heart? Raise your hand if you do. That's everybody if you're following Jesus, right? How about on your worst day? Still got it. How about on your best day? Still got it and not any more than you had on your worst day. You see what I'm saying? Like this is something he has done. He did this. I mean, how many of you are feeling his grace right now? Like sometimes I'm like, God, I'm a, I'm a very dirty cup. <laughs> you sure you want to pour that into me? He's like, yep, I, I know what I'm doing. It's very important that you see this, that we have his love in us. So when he says that the love of many will grow cold, and he's talking to the church, the, the, the Greek picture of will grow cold is not like him looking at your candle and going, Whoosh. remember that song, don't let Satan it out? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about like this gradual flame dimming. Some of you have dimmer switches in your house. It's because you like to set the mood, right? And you're like, you put the right music on, you turn it down, you light a candle. So that dimming of the light, that's the flavor of the word in Matthew 24. For the love of many will dim because of the lawlessness of the world. So this toxin that we want to take care of today, we want to talk about today, is indifference. Indifference. You might call it apathy. It's this indifference to the way things are in the world. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. Jesus is going to tell a story. You've heard this called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're just going to, I'm going to make a couple points, talk about some context and make some takeaways, and then we're going to practice it. <laughs> you good? Oh, by the way, we're going to practice it in here. You still good? Okay, good. All right. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Hey, can we stand? Let's stand for the, just to honor his word. Also, when you stand, it helps me not preach it while I'm reading it. Because I can, I can do that. So here we go. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question to ask. What is written in the law, Jesus replied, and how do you read it? 
He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out. Sorry. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Some translations say the one who showed mercy. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. God, uh, we are just your um, apprentices sitting at your feet, hearing your teaching, and wanting to go be like you. So take the next few moments and really help us Dig into this teaching because you want a church. You will have a church whose passion is rising instead of its love dimming. Come do that in this place, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's talk about the context. Um, Y'all know what context is? It's the stuff that's around the verses that we just read. This is really important, uh, just so we kind of understand why Jesus was saying what he's saying. Um, the whole thing is set up in verse 25 as a, as a, it's a test, right? It's set up to, to catch Jesus. It says that an expert of the law wanted to test Jesus. Please just jot this down. Experts test and children trust. Like we could probably stop right there and repent, right? When we think we know more than the person talking, we will always test to prove that they don't know as much as we do. But children just trust. So here's an expert. He just, that's the whole context. I, I want to test Jesus. The expert knew the answer. This is also so important. But this was not a test about knowing. This was a test about what we do with what we know. Verse 28, right? Because can you imagine this guy? He's like, Jesus asked me a question, and I know the answer, right? And he said the answer. And then Jesus was like, you answered correctly. Do this, and you'll live. I don't think that man was expecting that, which is why he asked the follow-up question so that he could justify himself. The deeper motive is revealed in verse 29. He wanted to justify himself. So this is really important. He wanted to justify either his lack of doing or his partial doing of what Jesus had commanded. 
loving God and loving others is much, much more than a mission statement. When, when we planted this church, we thought so much about, like, what's our mission statement, right? And then we'd have these meetings, and, and you know, details make my head explode. I'm just, I need people that can think about details. I'm not that guy. And so we would have these meetings to try to come up with a mission statement. And then in the meeting, someone would inevitably talk about, is that really a mission statement or is that a purpose statement? Is that a vision statement? I was like, I'm not even sure if it's a statement anymore. I don't even know what's happening right now. And there was all this pressure to have, like, the perfect way to say what God's called us to do. So you've probably seen how every church that's been planted in the last few years, last maybe 20 years, they all have some form of love God, love others, serve the world. For us, it was near God, near man, making disciplers. You see how it's so similar, right? And why are they so similar? Because, like, that's what we're supposed to do. Even this guy got it. Love God with all my heart and love my neighbor as myself. And I'll just say this. As a pastor who does like to write and likes to get creative with his words, we spend so much time trying to craft a mission statement that we hope people will learn. And at the end of the day, Jesus looks at us just like he looks at his man and he says, that's great. Go do it. And maybe we'd be better off if we just did it. And then later on, we look back at like 5, 10, 15 years of doing and figured out what our mission statement was. Because <laughs> you could see it, right? It's not about passing a test. It's not about being able to say your church's mission statement. It's about doing what we know. And this man wasn't doing that. It's the living out of the commands that brings life. I, I just need you to see this. This blew my mind. Jesus said this. You've answered correctly in verse, 20, in verse 28. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. It's the doing of it that leads to life. Have you ever heard a message? And like, I even say this morning during worship, it was so good, by the way. And like, even as we're worshiping, I'm just like, man. Like, my back is not hurting. It's not a, I don't feel as stiff as when I woke up this morning. Like I, just, I, was just, I was just loving it, right? It's like, but Jesus says, like, the moment, that's not what leads to life. Like, I'm going to say some stuff while I'm teaching, I hope, and you're going to have these moments where you go, man, that is good. You might even turn to the person next to you and say, he is on fire today. But Jesus says, that doesn't lead to life. What leads to life is putting it into practice, is doing what we know. I used to feel this pressure to come up with some brand new revelation, some great thing to tell y'all that you've never heard before. But I just feel like God continually tells me in my times with him, hey, Paul, I know you want to learn something new. I would just be happy if you started doing what you know. So maybe do that. And then if you still feel like you need some, I might tell you something else. And if you're a parent, come on, y'all. Haven't you seen this, son? You told your kids to go clean their room, and they came out and showed you the picture that they painted in their room. And it's, are the kids all gone? It's not even a good picture. I mean, you, you love it because they drew it, but they're like, look. And you, you looked at it, and you're like, what is this? And then they're like, it's upside down. You're like, you might like the picture, but at some point, don't you tell them, like, wait, did you draw this in the room I told you to clean? Like, you didn't even do what I asked. 
you want me to be excited about this, and it's fantastic, but you didn't do what I sent you to a room to clean it, not to be artistic. Doing it is what matters. So this expert, a couple more things about context, then we'll get to the takeaways. This expert had, um, I, I wrote down he had a love gap in his life. There was like this noticeable difference between, between what he knew he should do and what he was actually doing. And Jesus told this story. <laughs> I know he, he loves me. Yes, he does. But he tells us things sometimes to expose that gap. I'd rather Jesus expose the gap than somebody who doesn't love me. But he's exposing something in this man. This man's like, what, what do I need to do to be saved? What is the commands? He told him. He's like, that's great. Go do it. Well, who exactly is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells, tells him a story so that he can reveal to this man the gap in his life. So he tells about three main characters. There's uh, the priest, there's the Levite, and then there's the <laughs> Samaritan, right? He tells about these three characters, and all of them had, this is very important, all of them had the same information. It's really important to this, this, this expert in the law that's asking the question. He's clearly somebody who values information because he told Jesus what he knew, and he got it right. Cha-ching. In the, in the story, all three of these men are going to have the exact same information, but they don't all have the same response. And that's the gap that Jesus is revealing to this man. So the difference was compassion. Everybody say compassion. The Samaritan felt something. Now, when I say the word feeling, don't we all have a different reaction to that? Some of us, like in the church, there's like, there's the feelers. Like, don't raise your hand if you're a feeler, because we already know who you are. You're crying right now. He finally sees me. <laughs> there's the feelers, right? And then there's the, I don't know, stoic. I don't want to say non-feelers, because everybody feels something. But some people are just very moved by their feelings, and some people are just not. Right? Is that okay to say? Let's, let, let's stop beating each other up over that. That's just how we're all wired. We're all made differently, right? So when I say he felt something, the feelers are like, yes! And the other people are like, here's another message where he's going to make me feel bad for not feeling. Or not feeling the same way that that person feels. You know what I'm Does that make sense? But there's no way around it. This man felt something. It's in the story. He felt compassion. Luke 10, 33, that's our verse. Can we put that up on the screen? That's the one that we're going to focus on. It says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. That Greek phrase, took pity, also means he felt compassion. He felt compassion. Some of you have already felt compassion today. Because the Jews use this word to describe a bowel movement. Jan gave me a shirt. It says, I pooped today. Because I told her if she gave it to me, I would wear it. I should have worn it today because I'm talking about this, and I have. Go me.
look, you can have all the, you can struggle all you want. It's what the word means. It means in the Greek to feel something deeply in the bowels. It's a movement, (laughs) y'all. Compassion was something that they felt deeply. It means to take pity. It means to feel compassion. It means to be moved in the depths of who you are. And that's what the Samaritan felt, and the priest and the Levite did not. They all saw a man on the side of the road. They all saw the need, and only one out of three felt something that led to something. This is um, your big idea today. When overcoming indifference, compassion makes the difference. When overcoming indifference, compassion makes the difference. What's a big idea? A big idea is me recognizing that you will not remember most of what I say, but if you can remember that, we're good. If you walk out of here just saying like, oh, when I feel indifference, when I feel like my love is dimming, when I feel that dimming, then what I need to do is I need to feel compassion. Compassion will allow me to do something different. When overcoming indifference, compassion makes a difference. So one last thought uh, about this word compassion. Every time, it's, that word is used 12 times in, in the New Testament. Every time it's used, it's associated with an action. Some of you like to jot down scripture verses. Here they come, a lot of them fast. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. That's Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. We got it? Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> I did that just for Natasha. Jesus has just said, he's looked at the crowd and he has felt compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest. He felt something. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. Jesus had compassion, and then it says he healed the sick. That was Matthew 14, 14. Matthew 18, verse 27. It's a parable that Jesus is telling. And the master, he felt compassion on his slave, and so he released him and forgave the debt. Seeing a pattern here? Feel compassion, respond. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. Jesus felt compassion. I love this as a preacher. I love this. It says that Jesus saw the crowds. He felt compassion, and he began to teach them many things. So sometimes it's not all about your physical need. Like he saw the crowd. He felt compassion, and then he began to teach them many things. You can imagine people in that crowd. They're like, I didn't come here to get a sermon, Jesus. I'm just hungry. It's like, well, I, but I know what you need. Right? So I'm going to teach you many things. Luke chapter 7, verse 13. uh, Jesus saw a widow. Her only son had died. He felt compassion, and then he raised that son from the dead. Luke chapter 15, verse 20. We all love the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son's father looked out. He saw him. The Bible says he felt compassion, and then he ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. Compassion leads to action. Bless you. Rocky Top. Compassion leads to action. 
So let's don't overthink this story that we're getting, getting ready to look at. Two men saw the same thing and didn't act. One man saw the same thing and did act. If compassion leads to action, it wasn't a lack of knowledge that kept the two from doing something. It was a lack of compassion. In the priest and Levite, y'all, their love had grown cold. Okay, here we go. Five takeaways. We will not spend a lot of time on them. Write them down quickly. Number one, these are all from the story. Compassion goes beneath the surface. Compassion goes beneath the surface. Like I told you already, the meaning of that Greek word is to be moved deeply. Right? So this is in a culture that loves to say surface level. Right? You ever, have you ever had somebody say, hi, how are you? And then you just decided to tell them. You should do this from time to time. When you're like passing somebody on the street, I've done this before. You walk in, like I'm downtown all the time, walking downtown, you just pass somebody and they go, hi, how are you doing? And I've just turned around and walked back and said, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and it's about 30 seconds of that and they're just, they, you just, they just get so uncomfortable. And I just, I let them off the hook. I'm like, oh, you didn't, <laughs> you just meant like, how am I? I'm good. And I just walk away. Compassion goes beneath the surface. Compassion is not going to just hear your snap answer and assume that everything's good. It goes a little bit deeper. I put my nose. It doesn't just feel something. It feels something, right? Like he felt something. Here's the second takeaway. Compassion moves in closer. I thought this was interesting when I was reading through the story. Look at, listen to the wording. Verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw the man, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Did, did you see the, the subtle difference there? The first two, I, I picture them walking, and they see the man off in the distance, and they passed by on the other side of the street. But the Bible says that the, the Samaritan came to where the man was, and when he saw the man, he had compassion for him. Christine Kane says that compassion crosses the street. I think that's a good way to think about compassion. It moves us. We come in a little closer compassion would be sitting with somebody who takes a risk makes himself a little bit vulnerable and lets you in and compassion would be instead of sitting back and i am a bad arm folder like this compassion might lean in closer and take their hand and say tell me some more about that because i'm gonna tell you you can't have compassion on people at a distance we, we can talk all day long about people in other parts of the world that are dying of hunger. Like, I don't have to, like, convince you to have compassion about that. We've had Compassion Sundays. You guys adopt kids. Like, we've got, I've got my BFF. Right? You know, we've got people in other parts, four, four countries right now that we, that we support. Like, 
We're a compassionate church, but listen, can we all agree that a child starving across the globe would not move us like a child in our family? And there are people in our community right now who cannot eat. And the reason we don't have compassion on them, I'm just suggesting, please don't get offended. I'm preaching to myself too. Is it possible that we don't have compassion on the people in our own community because we see them at a distance and we pass by on the other side? But what if we actually just walked to where they are and saw them? If compassion moved in a little bit closer, it'd be kind of hard to walk away from that person, wouldn't it? Because we'd see them. And that's what the Samaritan did. He moved in closer. Takeaway number three. Compassion gets messy. Um, Verse 34. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Some of you don't know this about me, and I'm a little hesitant to tell you because you're going to use it to your advantage, and my life's going to get worse. I get tingly when people tell me about their medical traumas. If it happens, like, right in front of me and I need to respond, I can do it. But, like, if you want to come tell me about how there was that time that I raised my arm up and then it just flopped down and everywhere and, like, it was cut from here to here and barely hanging on by this much of a thread, like, I'll just at some point be like... I need to sit down for a second. I get all tingly, like that messy, bloody stuff. Some of y'all are into it, right? And you can imagine, like I was a youth pastor. You know, I was a youth pastor for so many years. I would like, this is before we had TikTok and it was easy to do it. But like I remember going through like and finding like fail videos, especially skateboarding fail videos. Do we have a montage? I'm kidding. We didn't do that. And, like, I'm putting it together because teenagers love that kind of stuff. Like, oh, look, that guy just went up, and he just landed on his back, and now his leg's going that way when it should go that way. And I'm the youth pastor going, like, oh, my Jesus, help us. Fail. Oh, I'm failing right now. So when I read that verse, I don't miss the mess of that verse. We sanitize the Bible way too much. He bandaged that man's wounds. This man was half dead. I don't know what half dead looks like, but I'm guessing bloody. There's some mess there. And compassion gets messy. Compassion doesn't just move in closer. It doesn't just go beneath the surface. But when it sees the need, it does something about it. Parents, all of you know the pain of ruining your favorite shirt because you picked up your kid as they were bleeding you didn't think about it you just responded that's what compassion does it's like yes it's going to cost me something but yes you're worth it i'm going to move in i'm going to get messy and here's uh, number four it's related to that compassion pays the price no, no detail in the Bible is meaningless. I love how it says, then after getting messy, after all the bandaging, then he put the man on his, what does it say next for you? Own donkey. That's, he's, he's like, I'm going to use my stuff. 
I don't have time to go into this, but I've got this message I preach called Be a Resource Person. And, and I had the story I tell in it. My very first day at Wingate University, I transferred. It was Wingate College. And I transferred halfway through my junior year to try to play football. I don't have time to go into that whole story. Clearly, it didn't work out. But I'm standing in line to register for classes. And there's a man, it's just another student behind me talking to another student. And that student happened to say something like, my grandpa just died, and I have no way to get to my, no way to get home. I have no way to get to the funeral, and I don't even know the guy. And I was just like, I've got a car. And he went, That's nice. No, I have a car. You want to take it? You can take my car. I didn't tell my dad. <laughs> and he's in heaven now, so it's fine. I didn't think about the insurance. I didn't think about anything. I just was like, I mean, take it. By the way, where do you live? Maryland. Take it. <laughs> right? Like, sometimes you just get, you got to pay the price. He put him on his own donkey. He didn't say, stay here and let me go rent a donkey that I don't want to get messy, and I'll bring it back here, and I'll finish taking care of you. He just put him on his own donkey, his own donkey. What do you have, y'all? What do you have right now? that God could use to show compassion to somebody? And are you willing to, hey, just, just take my car? Here's the last one. Five takeaways. Compassion goes beneath the surface. It moves closer. It gets messy. It pays the price. And this one, I'm just going to be honest, this one convicts me horribly. Because we, we live in a busy culture. Compassion follows up. Some of y'all are really good at that. Like, you're really good at that. I honor you today. You're so good at following up with people. And I'm not. I mean, I'm legitimately convicted by this last section. He didn't say to the, to the innkeeper, he didn't say, if I come back. He said, look after him, and when I return. When I return. We jump to the part about I'll reimburse you, I'll give you the money, whatever it costs. What a generous guy. But he came back to see how the guy was. It's, it's so easy. Like if you came here and I prayed for you, it'd be so easy. Like, that's great. Be blessed. Go. But how many of you know, like from this point out, there's a whole life that needs to be followed up, right? Like a day or two later, how's it going? How can I help? Some of you are like, Paul, can you do that for everybody? No. That's why the church is supposed to have compassion, right? The church does the follow-up. We equip people to do the ministry. This is a huge part of ministry. It's not just having compassion in the moment, but having compassion that follows up with people. I will let you in on a little secret. I have this awesome app that reminds me of important days. And the reason it reminds me is because I forget everything. Some of you have talked to me on a Sunday and been offended by Monday. Because you thought, did he not hear anything I said? I heard everything you said. I just don't remember any of it. It's Sunday, right? It's Sunday. I'm just... But one of my favorite things to do is to send a text a year later. Well, I mean, like, 
on the special day. And so, yeah, I mean, it might also happen that way too. It could be true. You could be right. But I just love, because I've been on the receiving end of that. I've been on the receiving end of a text from somebody that said, hey, Paul, I know what today is in your life. And when I got that text, I was like, that is so cool. How do they do that? I don't know how they do it, but I found an app. And it reminds me. I look at it in the morning, and it'll say something like, today is Wendy's birthday. Oh, whoo. No, I'm kidding. I already know when her birthday is. It's February 27th. This is her birthday month, in case you were curious. Well, they weren't curious, but whatever. You should expect you should expect maybe no more gifts than you were going to get. But somebody's like the anniversary of somebody's loved one passing away, and it tells me that, you know. Compassion follows up. He didn't say if I'll send somebody else. He said when I return. Now. If we were to sum all this up, we would simply say that compassion makes a difference, and that's the cure for, um, for that, that whole toxin of indifference. So I don't feel anything, and so if we show compassion, then we can. But here's what I want us to do. I, I want to stir up in you what you already have. Remember Romans 5.5? 5? What did God do? You want to come play? Yeah. He's like, if I come play, he'll stop talking. You've, you have caught on quickly. Remember what God did when you said yes to Jesus? He took that picture of what? Remember what was in that picture? Agape love. That was Romans 5.5. That was literally just 30 minutes ago, y'all. You're like me. You forgot. Romans 5.5, he poured it. Where did he pour it? Into your heart. Your heart. So do you have the agape love of God? Yes. And so can you turn it up? Yes, you can. I will say this. What I have found helps with turning up love is gratitude, remembering what God's done for me, how he's blessed me, how he's been there for me. And it, get, it just helps me open my eyes to other people because I'm like, God, man, if you did that for me, you, you're going to do it for them too. So sometimes it's as simple as remembering what's been done for you. Sometimes it's as, important, it's as easy as, as um, remembering your pain. We talk about all the time, your mess can birth your ministry. But it's true. Ask yourself this question. Why did the Samaritan stop? I think I know the answer to why he stopped and why the other two didn't. And you're thinking, I know you know the answer. You just told us it's compassion. Yes, but why did he feel it? I think it's because the Samaritan knew what it was like to be passed by. He was like, I've been that guy. I get passed by all the time, and I'm not even hurt and bleeding. And the priest and Levite, they, had, they never knew what it was like to be passed by. In their culture, they were like rock stars. People wanted to be around them in hopes that they, that, that priest and Levite could get those people to be with God. They, they didn't know what it was like to be passed by. Well, until Jesus came. It riled them up too, didn't it? <laughs> they didn't know what to do with this man who went to the broken people but didn't come to him, them. I would just encourage you with this. What are the areas of your life where you have been wounded? 
the areas of your life where you've been in pain, those might be the very things that open your eyes to the people that are hurting around you. And then Pastor Tori, she sent me this text. When I thought I was going to preach this last week, I had asked her to be praying for me so that y'all wouldn't feel like I was beating you up, right? Do you feel good? You okay? And she sent me this um, Exodus 34, 6. It's a whole story, you know, where God puts Moses in the rock and covers him with his hand and says, I'll pass by you and then I'll let you see my, the backside of me. And he, but in that story, in Exodus 34, 6, God announces himself to Moses. And he says, I am the God of compassion and mercy. And it was like it hit me when I read her text. Like, wait, compassion and mercy, those are the two words that are used in our story. Right? The Samaritan felt compassion and he moved in and got messy. But at the end of the story, Jesus asked the expert of the law, so who would you say was the neighbor? And what did he say? The one who showed mercy. The Samaritan looked more like God than the godly people did. He felt compassion. He showed mercy. And I'm just telling you right now, I, I don't, I was going to say I don't care. I'm apathetic about your apathy. <laughs> I don't. It's like we can say, I just don't feel it. Ah, that's too easy of an excuse. That's like saying, I will not breathe because I don't feel like breathing. <sighs> You're going to breathe. Why are you going to breathe? You're alive. For the church to say, I will not show compassion. You can't say that. If you're a follower of Jesus, because you're a son and a daughter of a God of compassion and mercy, which means it's in your DNA. You should definitely turn to the person next to you and say, start acting like who you are. Do it. Tell them that. Start acting like who you are. <laughs> Some of y'all like, I, you can't make me say anything. You're right. I can't. I'm not here to manipulate you. It might not be a bad thing to start looking in the mirror every morning and reminding yourself to start acting like who you are. Because you are the son or daughter of a father of compassion and mercy. And so when we see people in pain, guess what we do? We move in. We go beneath the surface. We get messy. We pay the price. We follow up some better than others. People like me might need a nap. But we follow up. So this morning, here's what I want us to do. Some of us are in the room, and we are facing situations where we feel broken. It's, you read that story, and it's like, when you're half dead, it's hard to text in the keyword prayer, isn't it? <laughs> when you're half dead and the pastor says, if you need some assistance, just fill out this form. It's like, I would, but I can't move my arm. I'm half dead. Sometimes what happens is we go through life half dead, and then we get fully offended because people didn't notice we were half dead. But sometimes it's because it's just hard to tell people. And so God's 
like looking for a church, a people who will tune into his spirit. So when the Holy Spirit says, hey, Paul, ask a follow-up question that we, we discover. We walk in close proximity with one another so that we're at the spot where we're half dead. And this morning, I want us to practice compassion. Can we practice on you? You're like, I don't know. All you have to do is raise your hand if you're in a place where you kind of feel half dead, broken. You just need somebody to come over and see you. You don't have to tell us your need. You just have to say, like, that's me. And I know in a room this size, there are people that feel like they're facing something that's breaking them. So if that's you and you're brave enough, half dead enough to acknowledge that's who you are, in a safe place, I'm just stalling so you can build up the courage to do it. I just need you to raise your half-dead hand. Anybody? You're in a place where you just need some prayer. Thank you for being honest. You're not the only one. Who else? Thanks. Thanks. Will you keep your hands up? Anybody else? In the back? Oh, oh, way in the back. Sorry. Yeah, I see you. Now, here's what I want you to do. Church. Will you go show compassion and mercy? How does that, how do we do that? You walk to those people. You hug them. You keep your hand up because people are coming. You pray with them. Keep your hands up. We're not trying to overwhelm or make people feel on the spot. Some of y'all are like, now that I see that they're actually moving, yes, I'd like somebody to come to me. Anybody else? You want to raise your hand and say, I just want somebody to come to me? The Good Samaritan poured oil and he bandaged the wounds. Oil's the Holy Spirit. And so even as you're, as you're with them right now, would you just begin to pray? You don't have to know the need. The Holy Spirit does. Just begin to pray. God, even as we're here and we've got our hands on our friends and we're praying for them, we might be praying for people we don't even know their names. We just lift them before you. Can I, I can just picture that Samaritan. He's um, looking at this man who's half dead. He's pouring oil, bandaging. He's doing all the things. And he's like, I, I don't even know what to do next. He just did the next right thing. He put him on his donkey, took him somewhere and continue to help I'm sure he had somewhere to go something to do but he was willing to be interrupted compassion crossed the street and he changed that man's life and I pray right now in this room as we are praying for one another as we are showing compassion and mercy 
what I thank you more than anything is that this is a reflection of you. The Father has shown up in the room. Pray for the oil of the Holy Spirit just to begin to seep down into the cracks and the crevices of those wounds. Don't discount the moment because you're thinking past it. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you just begin to pour yourself into the broken heart? Would you begin to renew the broken mind? And I also pray for the prayers that as they are showing compassion, oh God, that you you would just begin to turn the dimmer switch up on the agape love in them, oh, that it would be brighter and, and deeper and burn hotter than it has in a long time. And we're going to leave this morning, we're going to leave this place with our eyes wide open to hurting people in our city who do not need to hear the church's mission statement. They just need somebody to get messy and love them. And when we do that, they're going to see Jesus. ask you to live out that last thing compassion follows up compassion follows up right so it's it's crazy how even in a church I mean we're not a, we're not a, a mega church we're not a small church like we're just somewhere in the middle even at our size church how we can you could pray for somebody and not know their name right and it's, it's it happens so because compassion follows up when we get done before we rush out the door, would you be willing to go to the person you prayed for and just say, hey, can I, can I get your whatever I need from you so I can follow up with you this week and just ask how it's going? Maybe it's a phone number you can text or call. Maybe they'll say, please don't call, only text, right, whatever. But find a way to touch base with them between now and next Sunday. And here, here's another really important way to follow up. Next Sunday, when we're all back here together, don't not talk to them. Like, go to that person and say, remember me? My name is, and I prayed for you last week, and I'm the guy, the weird person that texted you this week and asked how you were doing. I was just back again, just, how's it going? Right? It's amazing how much better church is when you talk to people before, during, and after it. This is not rocket science. It's just the body of Christ. Would you do that? After Joy has the last word. Um, I didn't want to do this, but God told me to come up. And um, the Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. And I'm, I'm not sure that means every single sin needs to be told in church. I don't, I don't know what exactly it means. But I know for me it means to that I needed to come. And um, for a long time, I wore, I took a test a long time ago. I ranked zero in mercy. 
zero. Okay. I just, and I wore it like a badge, like, yep, I have no mercy. <laughs> and today just really hit me hard. I mean, God's been doing work in me for a while since um, we did testimonies. And I realized I don't know the stories of everybody. And it kind of broke my heart for people. So God's been doing that work in me. But then today, I just really repented of not only not having mercy, but of wearing it like a badge. Like, yeah, I have mercy. So I just wanted to tell you guys that because I know God's working in my heart. And I know there's others that are like me. And um, just repent and let God do what he's going to do. Because that agape love in us is real. And that's what Albemarle needs to be able to rise up and be the light. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. You know, worship and confession are what accompanies every revival. Um, it's just something about, like, I just want to be, I want to get this, I want to be clean. And then it's just amazing what God does. So here's, here's what you can do going from this place. One, repent if what Joy just shared with you resonates. Um, Man, just repent. Ask God. Say, I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me. Right? That's repentance. And then two, you're going to see people in messes. Today, the rest of this week, don't pass by. Don't pass by. Well, I don't know what to do. Move closer. And you still won't know what to do, but just move closer, and God will lead you. And, and we just practice compassion with one another in this room but some of you know of people that are in messes that don't go to our church they may never come to our church go be the church to those people if they come great if they don't great you know people who are in messes right now that used to come to our church and man just go be the church love them Show compassion with them. So when God brings them to your mind, go follow up with them. Send them a text and say, I'm probably the last person you thought you would hear from, but Paul preached on compassion, and he, it just convicted me. God just convicted me, and I just wanted to check in. How are you? Just see what happens. It's amazing. So anyway, Josh, thanks for being here. Yeah, it was so good having you this morning. Today was as good as it could be without being the belonging code. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Hey, let's stand up together. Oh, you're coming, aren't you? Yeah, come on. I'll let you pray. You want to pray? I don't know how we'll do We'll have to fix all that whole ending thing. That was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. He's a pastor. Who's going to pray? He's not praying. Hey, if you ever want to help out, like, Tasha would love to build a team. Some of y'all would be really good at this. We, the, and the whole heart here is, like, we just want whoever teaches to go sit down so that, I mean, it's easier sometimes for somebody else just to say, here's kind of some next steps to help you kind of know what to do with what you just heard. Um, 
God, please, we just don't want to be that church that goes, church was great. I learned something new. <laughs> like, let's do something with it, right? And you do such a good job helping us with that. So thank you. Um, I'm sure some of the rest of you are convicted like I am, especially when Joy shared. You know, last year was a groundbreaking year for me as I shared my testimony public. And um, that unlocked a lot for me. And I have a little sign in my bathroom that says, I still remember the days I prayed for the things that I have now. So church, I urge you to humble yourselves this week. To show compassion, just like the God we serve, and to love those people especially the ones that get on your nerves the most, because they're probably the ones that need the most love. I just want to remind you that we do have a prayer altar team, and if you feel the need for prayer, you are welcome to come down here. We would love to get our hands on you, to pray with you, to anoint you, to love you. Or if you have a more private request, we have these cards on the back of the chairs. Feel free to fill that out. There's a little box here. You could scan a code, whatever you need to do. Drop it off back there with Diana and Wesley at Next Steps. Next week, our baby bottles. Fill them up and return them. It's love on the unborn. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Like we've heard all morning, Lord Jesus, pour your unwavering favor upon us. Fill us with your compassion and your mercy so we as your chosen children can go and love others the same way you do. Let us be your hands and feet. Give us the ears to hear and the mouths to speak the words that others need this week. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we praise you alone. Amen.